Welcome back to The Rock Fight, where we speak our truths, slay sacred cows, and sometimes, just sometimes, we agree to disagree. I'm Colin True. This was a fun one. Mountain Gazette founder Mike Rogie, who joined us on Tuesday to talk about the state and future of outdoor magazines, is back today, and we are running down our all-time top favorite outdoor magazines. The rules are that we can focus on any era of any outdoor magazine, even those magazines that aren't around anymore, but only one magazine per genre. And I have to say the lists we made were pretty diverse. There was only one magazine that was the same on both lists, so a lot of variety here. Now, before we get into our conversation, after you hear it, you know, what are some all-timers that we missed? Do you like our selections? Do you think we're nuts? Do you have a fight to pick with the rock fight? Send all of it to myrockfight at gmail.com. We have our opinions on the show, but we want to hear rebuttals, and they'll be featured on a future episode. All right, let's get into it. Here again is Mike Rogie and our Desert Island all-time top five outdoor magazines. All right, we got Mike Rogie back. We're going to do a quick rundown of our both of our top five all-time outdoor magazines. The rules I set are that any title counts, including defunct publications. You can choose a particular era. So if you have a certain era, like in, in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, whatever, you can you can you can specify that. Only one per genre, right? So a ski guy, Mike Rogie, can't do powder and ski. You got you got to pick one ski magazine. And, you know, I'm sure there's some rules to bend there. There's like definitely some crossover, but I'm, I'm sure you'll figure that out. And then we'll go we'll go through the five to one, which should be your number one being your Desert Island all time favorite outdoor publication. So you want to start okay. us off with your number five? OK, so uh, number five is going to be uh, 90s, 2000s era outside magazine particularly when Larry, the previous owner of Outside, had the balls to send his writers up Everest. I find that as an editor, where you send your people can be a reflection of, of your taste. And I think that was really wild. Obviously, like Into Thin Air came out of that. But also um, the ability for John Krakauer to go down a rabbit hole right. and find Chris, Chris McCandless and do Into the Wild, which is probably now taught in more high schools than Huckleberry Finn, which I think for the outdoor writing genre, like that's like the ultimate, the ultimate like accolade you could ever get is like, Hey, every middle schooler has to read my book. So that's so number I five. Have, this is my number three, um, the nineties, two thousands outside. And definitely like those two stories were formative for me, kind of turning into an outdoorsy person coming in and coming out of the nineties, I was working at Eastern Mountain Sports in the late 90s, you know, and so like that was those were huge stories I always talk about. But one other thing, too, to tag on to that is in the 2000s was the Lance Armstrong era and the coverage from outside and that whole that whole run was was great. So that's yeah, my, that's my number three. Um, my number five. And I mentioned it in our last podcast was I'm, I'm saying it, man, because it just I'm putting Ranger Rick on my list. I don't care. You know why? It planted the seed. It made me want to go outside. I'd read that magazine and I'd go in my backyard and go in the woods and look for animals and the little like, you know, things you can do in your backyard. So that, that's a it's a formative magazine and, and it's outdoor related. So I'm counting it now. I'll, I'll turn no. the mic over to you to make fun of me. So go ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you at all. Um, <laughs> I think there are a lot of entry points into uh, the outdoor world. Um, so I am going to say. Good on you. My number, my number four, yeah, is National Geographic and 
forever because their entire timeline, because that is a magazine that has consistently reinvented itself. Um, they tend not to be at the cutting edge of things, but they tend to usually get the story right. And there's no better case of that than the fact that like those guys introduced the broader world to Jimmy Chin and Alex Hong. So mm. I find I find Nat Geo to be um, that staying power is really cool. Um, and I think they're owned by Disney now, yeah, which means are. that like Disney's never going to cut them ever. So because they're a small line item. I mean, if you're making Marvel movies and Nat Geo, like Chris <laughs> Evans is like costume change. <laughs> you know, costs more than probably a full year of making Nat Geo. So I think, yeah, Nat Geo is my number four. Well, and then if you go to National Geographic, just the legacy of before, not even before Adventure National Geographic, like the old school National Geographic too, right? I mean, that's a legend. So my number four is Wend. I've mentioned it before in our conversation. Like I, I kind of wanted it to be number one. I loved it so much. But it was only a handful of issues I really read at the time that came out in sort of the late, late aughts. It wasn't around long enough for me to put it higher on the list. But I think at the time I discovered it was around the time, even the outsides and the backpackers, they were getting a little bit more, you know, print buzzfeedy in a way, you know, a lot of just like really kind of throwaway articles and things like that. And, and, and Wend always stood out as because of the long form and the minimal amount of ads, uh, which is what led me to, you know, finding like your magazine and, and Adventure Journal and things like that at, at, in the last few years. So I always really appreciated that. Um, my number three, I mentioned is the late 90s, 2000s outside. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is um, the 2000s era to like 2016 of Bike Magazine. Oh, uh, so Bike Magazine. Uh, little known fact is that their photo editor is Dave Reddick, who's a good friend of mine. Was also the, has been a photo editor of Powder Magazine forever. Um, I sat next to those guys, so I'm not a big mountain biker. I'm not a big bike guy. I mean, I. I ride bikes, but yeah. I wouldn't, it's very, very casually. I think Bryce Minnick, who's now the editor of Freehub Magazine, uh, and Joe Parkin, who's another one of the editors that was over at Bike, like, I think they are two of the more thoughtful, brilliant, like a bike is a mode of transportation or a tool for a story. It doesn't need to be the main story. Yeah. And I think that I took a lot out of what I saw at Bike Magazine. I mean, photographically, it was gorgeous but just like the stories in and of itself is that like you can use a bike to go to a uh war-torn country and tell a story yeah to an audience that's just looking to get like sick rad like new life so i'm gonna say that uh yeah bike magazine nice and that like 2000 there is like my number three why don't you just go ahead and give us i already gave my number three what's your number two okay so my number two is I'm going to cheat a little bit. So it's going to be a, a tie. So okay. I actually, I actually, so I'm going to do two magazines that were born out of other magazines. So I believe it, um, I could be in my era, but in the seventies, uh, surfer magazine gave birth to a magazine called skateboarder magazine, which was the bones brigade and the Dogtown Z boys era, mm -hmm. and like Tony Hawk and Steve Caballero and all that. And the fact is that like, what we know skateboarding culture to be today was born out of Surfer Magazine. I've always right. thought that it was really cool when a magazine covered a topic so intensely that it gave birth to another title. And the other thing that happened that I, is tied with skateboard is that Snowboarder Magazine, 
which was run by Pat Bridges, who's a friend of mine, but I'm not picking this for any nepotism reasons or anything like that. But um, <laughs> snowboarder was born out of powder. You know, the fact is in the late seventies, eighties, when snowboarding was getting started, like that was in the pages of powder and snowboarder magazine was born out of that era. And everything you can even think about snowboarding culture, uh, you know, came out of that. And so I'm putting those two there because I think it's super cool when a niche sport creates enough of a culture that it can go out and do its own thing. So those, those feel like really important moments for me. Yeah. And I like, I like the inclusion of, of some skateboarding too, in this list, you know, that's, that's good. You know, the, the, the out, outdoor is now anything, anything outside is outdoor. Right. So I think it's good. I'm you got to include stuff like that. So uh, my number two is 1990s backpacker. Uh, mostly because it kind of picked up where Ranger Rick left off for me. You know, it was like where if Ranger Rick was planting the seed, and I didn't really have come up, grow up in a, that much of an outdoorsy family. Kind of discovering Backpacker magazine really started to show me kind of the path to like the stuff I like to do now, and and even my journey of working in the industry. But then I remember there was one story in particular it was in the late '90s of somebody who was actually backpacking along the middle fork of the Salmon and the Frank Church River of No Return. It wasn't on a boat trip; it was backpacking it. But that, you know, I never heard of that sitting in Pennsylvania, you know, and so that was a big exposure of, the, of both the rafting scene and the kind of a, a, a short through hike. Uh, and so that magazine has always had a special place uh, in my heart uh, because of that. So what's your number one? OK, so I am not going to Kanye West myself and say number one is the current era of Mountain Gazette. <laughs> yeah, oh, um, come on. You got to do it. I'm not doing it. I love I love my contributors deeply like family i think they create really incredible content but uh i want to take mountain gazette out of it uh my favorite era and it's a it's a broad span but i think the steve casimiro keith carlson tom by Derek taylor matt hansen era of powder magazine has been the most influential in my life not in the least bit that several of those folks the steve metcalf in there too like those folks have been mentors for me. I worked for Derek and Matt and felt like the era before I got to powder was that I was brought up in was marked by the relatable dirtbag who happened to be Sage Catarigalosa or, you know, Ingrid Backstrom who started as a powder magazine intern and became one of the, the most I consequential. Yeah. One of the most consequential editors of all time. Hmm. Uh, Steve Casimiro obviously came uh, from powder and started venture journal. Uh, which has been a huge inspiration for us at Mountain Gazette. Keith Carlson was only the editor of uh, Powder for three years, but created Powder Week, Powder Awards, uh, Super Park. Um, I felt like in his three years, Keith probably did more to move the sport of skiing forward uh, than mm. any editor. And um, I am inspired quite a bit by the the men and the women who worked at Powder. I mean, Kim Stravers, who was a copy editor for Powder, is our copy editor at Mountain Gazette. I am deeply inspired by that era, both first as a fan and as a reader and as a subscriber, and then obviously as a as a lowly editor, and then as a you know a managing editor for a little bit, and then as a contributor and just a reader again. I think that the best lesson I ever took from Powder Magazine was that was from Derek, which was that you know Powder was a mirror to ski culture, and that was the job. Our job was not to shape ski culture; it was to reflect it. And I think that's what the best magazines do is they don't go out in the world and try to really like influence it. They go out and try to show the readers how it really is. And to bring it to Mountain Gazette, 
that's what we try to do every issue is uh, these are not people that are doing stunts for Mountain Gazette. These are people that are doing really incredible things in the world. Uh, and we just happen to be lucky enough to, to be there to hold the mirror up and show them to the world. So Jesus Christ, man, this is why I shouldn't bring a journalist on to do this. I got, I can't, I should have, you should have ended with that. You can't end with me talking about my, like, you know, dumb number one now. Dude, I'll give you some <laughs> other ones too. Like, I, I mean, I, I got some honorable mentions too. No, I mean, hold on, I hold did. on. I'll do, I'll do my number one. I'll do, do my yours. number one. Yeah, so, yeah, let's hear so, it. So, I mean, well, ultimately, so I think it is funny when you, when you, you, the longer you do these things and you start, I always looked at it as like, uh, when you do all, all the outdoor sports. Um, but ultimately over the years, I, I would say if you were, the only thing, if you took it away from me, I would, I would just die kicking and screaming is probably, you know, being a mountain biker. Um, that's always kind of gone the number one trail running and mountain biking. Uh, and lately mountain biking kind of in that top spot. So, uh, I, I have to say, I think my number one is dirt rag, you know, poor cool. dear departed dirt rag. And, um, I still get giddy. Uh, my local shop here in San Diego, uh, shout out Adam, Av, Adam's Ave. They, they have old copies of dirt rag on a rack. And it just makes me so happy. And it's because when I became like, I really started becoming a good mountain biker in kind of the mid to late 2000s. And I remember just reading just voraciously those as a, as a user, like in, in really understanding, sorry, understand the culture. Um, and so it was a little sad when they stopped uh, printing dirt rag, but any, any history of dirt rag? I feel like a year ago, I heard a rumor that someone was trying to buy it and bring it back. Oh, don't give me hope. No, I'm not giving you hope. <laughs> I'm just saying I heard a rumor. Like, here's the thing what's dead is like dead right now. Right. On, on the magazine <laughs> front. But what I think people are realizing is like with us and with, you know, backcountry magazine or like cream magazine, the rock and roll mag, yeah, which I helped right? my, buddy, my buddy, John Martin brought that back with JJ Kramer, who's the son of the original founder of cream. Like that's a really beautiful story. Like is that uh, these things can have a new life and a new era you know, and they just, they just need the right person to, to run it. I, I probably could have started my own magazine with its own title and built something, but sure. to me, I felt like it was important for today's writers and photographers and artists to have a legacy to build upon, you know? So like, if this is your first Mountain Gazette story in 199, which is our spring issue coming out, yeah, like, you're in the same lineage as Hunter S. Thompson, Edward Abbey, and John Fahey, and Doug Schnitzbaum, Peter Craig, and now Ari Schneider, and Megan Michelson, and all these other great writers, Sadie Stein, all these other great writers who have come through our doors since we've had it, you know? And I think, I don't, I think it gets confused with nostalgia. Like, but to be honest, like, if you go back and you read something from the 90s, like, sometimes it's like a little crass, it's not that great. Uh, it was great for its time. Right. And I think that's what these things stand for is like dirt rag could come back, but it would have to stand for what biking is now. Um, and I think like to, to really like round this out, like is I don't know that we've seen the best era of outdoor magazines. Oh, because, I love the prediction. Because because, man, there's a lot more writers in outdoor right now. And they're yeah. they're not all scruffy like white dudes anymore. And I think like what I'm excited about is like really really new perspectives on things that have been covered a million times see man this is why it's where the rock fight is because everything's a rock fight you know and those like and you come you come for the top five and you stay for the insight of uh, of mike rogie man thanks man <laughs> well yeah the name rock fight reminds me of this will ferrell sketch called bat fight who's gonna win like 
I will tell you that I, I always want to be in a metaphorical rock fight with you, man. I never want to be in a physical one because, like, dude, I think everybody loses that. The spectators, the participants. Of course. And the of course it's metaphorical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Rock Fight. I'm Colin True. Head over to mountaingazette.com to learn more about subscribing and check them out on their socials. Be sure to drop us a note at myrockfight at gmail.com with your favorite all-time outdoor magazines and to pick a fight with Mike and I about the titles that we missed. Lastly, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, maybe, maybe even a review? That is, if you have the time. Thank you. We'll be back next week. The Rock Fight is a production Rock Fight LLC. Rock fight!